SRN Survival Radio Network. Thanks for tuning in to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends, one of the most informative and entertaining talk radio shows today. From social issues and trending topics to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So join us now for Real People, Real Topics, Real Talk. Let's face it. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. It's Sunday, April the 12th, 2015. We are your hosts. I'm Will Strayhorn. I'm Janae Kay. Alicia Brown. And we also have a very special guest this evening joining us from Maryland. Um, welcome to the show, Miss Tasha Steepney. How are you doing, Tasha? I'm fine. I'm doing good. Thank you so much on behalf of Let's Face It for coming on and joining us um, this evening to interview these guests. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm uh, natural. I've been natural for eight years. I'm a natural hairstylist in Maryland. Um, I'm with um, DMZ Natural Beauty, and I'm also with Natural Exquisite. Um, also a natural hair socialite, which I go under the name um, Socially Purple, and I attend a lot of events in uh, East, the East Coast. And, uh, yeah, basically that's it. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly busy styling people and uh, making people smile and be happy. Oh, All right. I bet you do a good job. I've checked out some of your pictures, and they're oh, amazing. Yeah. Good job. Yeah, oh, yeah. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so welcome to the table. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Welcome. <laughs> Thank Alicia, you. what are we talking about tonight? I was about to say, I'm so glad she's here because tonight's topic is I am not my hair. And we're looking at everything with natural hair from society stigmas, um, discrimination, and just natural hair in general, the struggles, the um, trying to, to to engage in society with all that's going on in the media. And we did share some of that on our Facebook pages this week. But one of the questions that we're going to have this evening, I'm going to pose this question to all of you. You know, we have various celebrities in the media who are criticized for their natural hairstyles. Uh, Solange wrote an article a couple of years ago where she told people to quit picking on her hair. She said, mm-hmm. you know, her hair is not very important to her. She never painted herself to be the captain of Team Natural. And basically she was telling people that they need to find something else to um, talk about. So Mm -hmm. with that being said, the question is, do you think that wearing your hair straight versus natural will affect your level of success in the entertainment industry? Hmm. Well, yeah. Well, it shouldn't affect it. It shouldn't affect it at all because, I think being that's being unique. I mean, being unique sales, I would think anyway. Yeah. I mean, what's your hair have to do with your talent, right? Uh, it shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, I you can wear it how you want. <laughs> I, I, I think talent. that you're right. It shouldn't. It, it shouldn't affect it. But unfortunately, I do believe, just thinking about the people who are natural, um, mm-hmm. I think probably the person who has, and, you know, success, that's relative, you know. What's uh-huh. success to you may not be the same to somebody else. But um, like Erica Badu, she's probably reached the highest that I've seen an, uh, uh, an artist that has natural hair has reached. Jill Scott, I don't understand why she doesn't get totally what she deserves. She's a, an amazing artist. But artists uh-huh. like Beyonce, of course, people like Beyonce, people who have more of the straight and the more Crossover appeal is what, what I guess the, the right word would be, crossover appealing to a, a black audience as well as a um, Caucasian or European audience. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think the people who are strictly natural, um, with the exception of maybe Erica Badu, I don't think, um, I, don't, I, I just don't think it appeals to them. And like you're right, Tasha, it shouldn't matter. Their talent should be what they take into consideration. But I, I really don't think having that type of hair, just looking at the artist. And Solange, you know, I think I've said it before, I'm not, I know she can sing, but I'm not like 
uh, I don't have her CDs or anything like that, but I, I definitely yeah. feel Chrisette Michelle, Erica Badu, um, Janelle Monet. Um, Janelle Monet yeah. probably crossed over a little bit because I've seen her, I think, on a L'Oreal or a CoverGirl mm-hmm. ad. Or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, girl. And she's natural. Mm-hmm. So that's giving her that crossover appeal. But I've never seen anybody else with that natural um, flavor get that type, yeah. that type of success. But a lot of the yeah. yeah, I would have to agree. I went to a, a concert a couple of weeks ago with Lettucey and uh, Leela James, and both of them are natural. Lettucey, of course, has, you know, locks, and Leela has, you know, a really big fro. But during the concert, Lettucey actually talked about her struggle trying to, you know, gain, you know, notoriety in the celebrity mm. world and how pretty much told that she wasn't going to make it because of her look, because of her hair being natural. Oh, so, wow. and even now, I mean, she has an amazing voice. She has a beautiful voice. But I think that yeah. for some people, because her hair is natural and she doesn't have that, like you said, well, that crossover look, crossover that she kind of yeah. hits her feeling. Because, you know, things that I think that she should have been recognized for and things of that nature, she hasn't been. And her mm-hmm. voice is amazing. So there should be no reason why she's not in the same category as some of the other celebrities that are out there. So, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, there are a lot of them are, nat- are natural under those weaves and wigs too. Absolutely, yeah. What do you think, Alicia? You know, from my perspective, I'll say this: I think it's like anything else. It just depends on where you want to go and what your brand is going to be. Um, okay. The people you mentioned, like Erica Badu and Solange. They are very unique. They they are not trying to be that uh, cookie-cutter person. They're not trying to be a Beyonce. So, you know, they're not going to have a style that looks like what the industry says you should have. They're going to be their own unique self, and their hair is just a part of that. Um, so they're able to get whatever level of success they want based on whatever style they present. And their natural hair is part of that. But then there's some other people, you know, if you're trying to be the next Britney Spears or, or what have you, that industry is going to say you have. So there will always be people that break those barriers. But then, like anything else, you could have some opposition. Same thing we do with people based on their waistline. You know, maybe in this industry or this area, there's not a lot of people on average that meet the level of success you're looking for that are past this size. But that doesn't mean you can't do it just mean there might be some opposition, but that might be the thing that gains, you know, popularity and makes you successful because you're different. So I think it could go both ways. Mm-hmm. And it's good we have this discussion because we're going to go to a quick commercial, but when we come back, we're going to have attorney Lori Daniels, who is going to come on. She's one of those people that lost her natural style. And she has a lot to say on this same subject. So join us back in a few minutes on Let's Face It. Thank you for tuning in to the hottest station out, the Survival Radio Network. This award-winning network has over 900,000 downloads with 30 powerful shows hitting the airwaves Monday through Sunday. If you're looking for inspiration, motivation, and education, this network is for you. Check us out by visiting www.survivalradionetwork.us. Onward to one million. And remember, we do radio. Make your business dreams reality at the Dream Project Symposium, April 16th and 17th, 2015. 
the Georgia World Congress Center downtown Atlanta. Hear from business leaders including CEO of Starfish Media Group, Soledad O'Brien, CEO of Johnson Publishing, Desiree Rogers, Celebrity Top Chef, Chef Robley, and Grammy Award winners Estelle and Indiari, and more. Register today at DreamProjectOnline.com, presented by the Igami Group, Prudential Financial, Verizon Wireless, and Delta Airlines. Do you have tax issues, owe back taxes, or need tax relief? Contact L&B Tax Service today. L&B offers you over 15 years of expertise and first-class tax service for individuals, professionals, and business owners. With nationwide service, you can easily find a location near you. Contact one of our tax professionals through our website, lbtaxservice.com. That's www.lbtaxservice.com. L&B Tax Service Incorporated. Tax professionals that you can trust. SRN Survival Radio Network. talking about natural hair um, and also the professional industry and a lot of opinions on social media and all the current things we see um, are the subject of natural hair. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. We're excited to have you. (laughs) (laughs) And definitely you are an author, you're an attorney, you're a speaker amongst other things. Um, could you tell our listeners who Lori Daniel Favors is, especially in relation to natural hair, and why are you or not you, your hair? Well, thank you once again. Like I said, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk to you guys about this. Um, as it pertains to who I am in relation to natural hair, you know, I'm really just a black girl who at one point found myself wrestling internally with a lot of issues that I later found out a whole lot of black girls were experiencing. Um, I had the benefit of majoring in Africana studies um, with an emphasis on Afro uh, in the Pan-African diaspora when I was in college. And so I spent a lot of time studying what was happening to black people, both during slavery and prior to slavery. And when I realized that this was not always how we thought about our skin, about our hair and about our hair texture, about the sizes of our noses, when I learned that something happened that caused us to begin thinking this way, I began applying that, that information to myself and, and, started on the natural hair journey back in the 90s when Erica Badu was rocking the three-foot head wraps and she was really yes. sort of presenting an image of black womanhood that was, looked very different than what we had seen before then. So yeah, that is me. And as far as whether or not I am my hair, you know, that song by Erica by India Ari, I love it, but I felt like it, it really kind of oversimplified the issue a bit because I, I'm no more my hair any more than I am my nose or my skin complexion or this, the shape of my body, right? All of which are very phenotypically black. But but my hair and my nose size and my lip size and my skin color, all of these things have been um, actively used as weapons against black people in the furtherance of white supremacy. Um, so to the extent I'm not my hair, no, but neither is a black man just his skin or a black woman just her skin when she's being shot by the cops. But that skin, that hair represents something um, to a system that's based on making the physical manifestations of blackness as undesirable as possible. So, no, I'm not my hair, but I am a black woman, and so my hair becomes the first thing that many people judge me by, whether I make that declaration or not. Okay. (laughs) Wow. I like it. Thank you. (laughs) And, of course, we have Tasha, which is probably one of the well-known people in the DMV area who who deals with women and their hair all the time. Hey, Tasha, I believe you also have a question uh, for Lori. Did we lose Tasha? My gosh. I'm here. I'm here. I'm sorry. There you go. (laughs) My phone just did something crazy. But, um, yeah, um, Natural hair, what does that mean to you? Like, for example, some would say, like, a short afro, dreadlocks. 
And some would say, you know, as far as like getting natural products, and others would mm. say going back to their roots. So what mm-hmm. does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know, for me, it's any time that a person of African descent embraces hair that defies European beauty standards, right? So for some people, Mm -hmm. it's a teeny afro. For some people, it's a hot pink and lime green teeny weeny afro. For some people, you know, any time you use a chemical other than air and water, you know, you violated the natural rule. (laughs) So, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with um, black women really first, we're in the very beginning stages of this becoming a ground swelling movement and and a space where black women can think differently about what we've been taught about our hair. So for a lot of us, we're used to very, you know, very rigid rules about what look good, what hair that looks good looks like and what hair that doesn't look like. And so it, we're still fleshing out that conversation. For me, I'm not the natural hair police. I'm like, you know, sis, anytime you are embracing the hair that God designed to grow out of your head the way it was designed to grow, I support that. And so I, I'm not really interested in putting labels on people. Some of us go natural because, you know, like me, I discovered, you know, I had my back to Africa moment. I, you know, majored in African mm-hmm. studies. And so yeah. that was my moment. Some of us go natural because of a bad perm and a bald spot, you know, so I don't need, I don't want that to sell <laughs> to the same standard oh and God. expectations as someone who is sort of doing it for a more spiritual purpose. And so I think that we're all on our journeys. And for me, anytime you are really committed to embracing what it is that you came to this earth with, with you know, to, to the extent that that defies what white people and what European history has taught us is beautiful. That to me is natural here. And I, I really think that's a beautiful thing. Okay. Um, well, I have another part of that question. It sounds like you kind of answered it, but I have another question. Like, sure. what were the main reasons for your choice to wear your natural hair? I mean, like, maybe it wasn't like a life change, holistic, or health, or just for the style of it? You know, it's kind of like once you once you start to learn something, it's very difficult to unlearn it. You know, that's why they say ignorance right. is bliss. And it was like, you know, the more I was studying my history and I realized that, you know, there's nothing in the historical record. There's nothing written in, you know, painted on the walls of pyramids or inscribed in tombs or carved into rock anywhere in the historical record that would give us any reason to think that prior to white supremacy, colonization, and slavery, that black women sat around in the bushes of Africa trying to find a chemical or a juice or a berry to make their hair turn straight. You know, and so, like, we just don't see that. We don't see, like, in the historical record, black people thinking that you had to have lighter skin in order to be beautiful prior to the introduction of those ideas. So for me, once I knew that, it occurred to me, one day I'm going to have kids, and I'm going to have to have a daughter, maybe a son, and I'm going to have to explain to them how I came to know this information and understand it, but still wasn't able to apply it to myself and make the personal changes that I needed to make. So it really started, you know, mm-hmm. I was in college, so it's easy to be natural in college because, you know, yeah. you're a college student and that's what that's just what you do. And so, but from that, I really began embarking on a journey because there were no other natural hair women on my campus. I was at Penn State campus in the 90s. There literally were no other women doing that. And so the reactions I started getting and the experiences I started having really became instrumental um, and really lined up well with what I was studying in my school, in my class. So, you know, it started rather innocently and rather, you know, personally, and then it kind of grew into a movement once I realized what the story really was. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, hello, Laura. This is Janae Kay. How are you? I'm well, sis. How are you doing? <laughs> Great. Um, could you please describe to us what your concept of hair bullying is and how mm. do you believe history has played a part in that? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. So hair bullying is really, I call it a new term for a very old concept, which again, dates back and has its roots in slavery and in colonization. And, you know, it's the idea that as black women or black people in general, but women in particular show up and present and encounter the world, that there is something flawed with how we look, that the world looks at us and sees something inherently wrong or incomplete how we look. And our hair is only considered appropriate under that way of thinking when it looks like the hair worn by our white sisters. And that to me, um, and, and when you look, you know, even when you look on plantations, we weren't able to have the rituals and the customs and the traditions that centered on hair care and preservation and reverence. And so we really lost touch with a lot of the value and the respect and the reverence that we had for our hair. And so, you know, hair bullying may show up in a number of ways. It may be, you know, phrases that kids use on the playground, like your hair is so nappy, you ain't never going to get a man. Or, you know, your hair is so nappy, something gets caught in it or what have you. Or it may be something that seems a little bit more innocuous where a mother, you know, has 
also bought into the idea that her daughter's hair has to look a certain way in order for her to be accepted in this world. And so tells her, I love you, but I, too, believe that there's something wrong with how you look naturally in the world. And so I'm going to help you by giving you a perm, by straightening your hair, by allowing, empowering you to conform to the standards of whiteness, because I can only see that as your route for getting ahead. So it's not even necessarily something that's intentionally mean. A lot of it, you know, one of the things we say is the worst thing about slavery and racism and not so much about how other people have come to see us, but about how we as black people have come to see and devalue ourselves. And so hair bullying yeah. is manifest anytime a black girl is told she can't stay in school with her hair in a natural hairstyle. Anytime a black woman is told she has to choose between um, keeping a job and wearing her hair in a way, in a style that's more appropriate for her Caucasian colleagues. So it manifests itself in many different ways, but it's really just the embrace of the idea that nappy is wrong. And, and that in and mm. of itself is the wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. That's an amazing answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. How are you? This is Will. Thank you Hi, so Will. much for coming on the show. Um, well, you have a lot going on. You have a lot going on. You are an attorney. You yes. have your own law firm. You are an amazing speaker, prolific speaker. Thank you. And also you are an author. You've written yes. a book called The Afro State of Mind, uh, Memories of a Nappy-Headed Black Girl. Yes. What's that about? Mm. What, what, what is this book about? So that book really looks at my experiences in going natural, um, whether it be, you know, the weddings I had to participate in as a bald-headed black girl, you know, the dating life I had to encounter as a girl who had just cut out her perm and was dating men who was like, what did you just do? Um, you know, the job world I had to enter an interview with natural hair and all the decisions and, and the questions that we as black women have when we start to grapple with some of these issues. The book, Afro State of Mind, Memories of a Nappy-Headed Black Girl, really takes that story and uses hair hair and skin color as a metaphor for understanding race and identity. Um, I wrote the book really because it seemed like we were having this wonderful growth and explosion in the natural hair movement, but it was all around like apple cider vinegar recipes and how to make your two-strand twisties really pop in when you do a twist out, all of which is very, very important because we want to know how to style our hair, and styling our hair was something we didn't often have access to, but we were missing the part about why it is, even within the natural hair community, a lot of us want the Tracy Ellis Ross type of natural hair that cascades. Right. down our back and not the 4C, 7G type of hair that sticks straight up on our head and grows out towards the sun. So it just seemed like mm-hmm. we were missing a really vital part of the conversation. And that part of the conversation is really at the key of a lot of the other issues that black girls and black women have and are dealing with. And so I, I really wanted to contribute to that discussion um, and help broaden out that conversation a little bit. Okay. Well, <clears throat> this is Alicia. Hi, Alicia. <laughs> Hi. And I, I have to get to the little controversial part. I don't know if it's because I live close to this university or just because I like to get to the controversial question. <laughs> now. That's the second part. That's it. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. It's probably just the latter. But you're an attorney defending yes. high-profile cases in mm-hmm. what some would call a racist justice system. Mm-hmm. But we have a black dean mm-hmm. at a historically black college. Ah, yes. Yeah, that refused to allow the MBA male students to be part of that graduate program if they wore dreadlocks. Hmm. And then we even shared the article on our Facebook page with the man that cut off his dreadlocks and he was encouraging youth to do the same to clean up their image. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to those who say natural hair is unprofessional and will hinder that type of success as a minority? And realistically, are there certain circles where perhaps you do need to conform to certain styles to be more acceptable? That is a great question, and you do like the controversy. So we have to unpack that a little bit, right, because – for me, the bigger part of that question is, you know, the, the the benefit of having black MBAs in the first place, right, which is very, very important. But it concerns me when we're so concerned about black MBA hairstyles and we are not ensuring that those black MBAs can tell us how much money the black community spends in a year. They have no real plans for how to take capture of the money that circulates through our community and keep it circulating within our community as opposed to bouncing out into other spaces. So I think that first, the emphasis on how we present and how we look is much more in line with respectability politics 
because this lack of substance in applying that education to the needs of the black community as opposed to preparing black MBA graduates to go out and get jobs working for white people, that to me is, is an indicator of the, the offness of the analysis, right? There's a media mogul, Tom Burrell, who says that black people are not brown-skinned white people. So the rules that apply to black to white people do not necessarily apply to black people. But so long as professional is only defined according to what is normal for white folks, well then, yes, you are going to have many situations where natural hair is going to be considered unprofessional. And as a corporate attorney, when I started out, I was a corporate law, uh, lawyer, and you could easily say that natural hair was completely unacceptable in a lot of those spaces. And that's something that we have to wrestle with and grapple with. As we have to grapple with the fact that most corporations only hire enough of us to stay within the confines of the law, right? They don't actively exactly. encourage us exactly. to be there anyway. <laughs> so we have exactly. to really begin asking questions. What is it that we give up when we say we're going to conform how we present to the world for the sake of hire, of being hired in institutions that really don't want us to be there and only do what they have to to tolerate us and try to get us out as, as soon as possible. So that's number one. Yeah. Number two yeah. is we have to think about and remember the fact that since the days of plantation slavery and colonization, black women and black people in general have manipulated, contorted, and squeezed our bodies to try to fit within the paradigm of beauty standards that were explicitly designed to exclude us. So there's no amount of hoop jumping that we're going to be able to do to get within that ring. These folks don't want to play with us on that playground. So we, we kind of have to locate ourselves within that history and, and not create surface-level solutions to racism like don't wear your hair in nappy styles when you are a nappy-headed black yeah. child. So that's really, we got to rethink that question because, you know, there are some communities, it, it makes as much sense to me as saying that Asian uh, women have to, or Asian men have to alter the shape of their eyes surgically in order to be acceptable because their eye shape is different than that from the norm. And some Asian okay. people do indeed do that, but their economic stability and viability is not dependent upon them making those types of physical alterations. And if it were, I guarantee you they're healthy enough to make sure that they create their own industry in the first place so they don't need to rely on their historical oppressor for that type of economic viability. So I think we got to shift how we are analyzing how we are going to enter and navigate this space because whiteness is not really going to allow us to alter enough in order to be acceptable as, we, as they would have us to be. I'm sitting here, I'm amazed. I am amazed yeah, with all too. this knowledge that you have. Wow. Right, exactly. I'm like, all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Ooh, that's so true. Uh, so, yeah, well, I guess you, you pretty much answered what I was going to ask you, but I'll just give it a shot. Um, I would think, um, what is the root of society's stigmas regarding natural birth? And, and also, is it a racial issue? Is it a gender mm-hmm. issue? Mm-hmm. I mean, or do do yes influence black women? Do you? Yeah. <laughs> do you think <laughs> do you think men influence black women to go natural, or is it peer pressure from other black women to shun natural hairstyles? You know, I Are think. You, One, yes, it is a racial issue. It absolutely is a racial issue. And and again, we we don't see any need for even having this discussion until black people were told that their access to power and resources was going to be dependent on how comfortable they were able to make white people, right? Which is a skill set that many of us have to still employ to this day. Like your ability to make white people feel comfortable in the corporate space is largely the determinant of your, the trajectory of your career in many professional spaces. Natural hair is just one of those, the issues that it can dictate. Um, It absolutely is a racial issue that has its roots in slavery and colonization. And it is also a gender issue. Because we have to remember that men and black men and black boys fail the doll test too. Like that's not something like black girls aren't the only one in the doll. And by the doll test, I mean you know they they kids and say which doll is the nice kind doll, the smart doll everyone wants to play with, yeah, yeah. and the kids pick the white doll. They say which is the mean ugly mm-hmm. dumb doll. They don't know about them. They pick the black doll. And you know dolls aren't smart. They're not kind. They're not whatever. But the children were saying that these are the dolls that represent high values that I appreciate. Those are the white people, and the ones that represent values that I'm afraid of or that are negative. Those are the black people. And so black men and black boys fail that test just like black girls do. So we're all socialized to desire and to see straight hair as the, pin, as, as the pinnacle of what beauty looks like. So yes, a lot of women are making decisions about how to beautify themselves based on what the men in our lives have communicated is beautiful. But those men are trained to hate blackness the same way that we are. They're all watching the same videos we're watching. They're listening to the same songs we're listening to. And those videos are really three and a half minute commercials that are advertising a lifestyle that we should all desire but can't ever afford and so yes to all of that and and that's why the healing that comes it's not enough 
within the natural the black community if just black women get it together, right? Right. If black women is right. going natural, that's gonna be great, but we're gonna be lonely. <laughs> you know, we need black men to be having this conversation, to begin challenging each other on, you know, why is it that you just happen to prefer light skinned women with hair down to their behind? Like why where does that mm-hmm. come from? We're all historical mm-hmm. products. So, you know, your preferences are shaped in part by the history that you represent. So we have to unpack that in a way that black boys can have, you know, their male conversations and and black girls can do the same thing on our side. And I don't even necessarily think that that conversation has to happen together all the time. Like, I think there's a space for co-ed interaction on that level. But I think, brothers, y'all need to shut the door and have some real in-depth discussion about what's going on there. Like, we really need to unpack that. Sisters, we need to do the same and then come together with the intent of healing from that because mm-hmm. the injury is impacting all of us. It just manifests in different ways. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> that was definitely a mouthful. That was definitely a mouthful. Um, yeah. my, my question, Lori, is one, you know, I, I don't even know how to pose it because it's one of those topics that really aggravates me, I would say. Um, mm. I just get, kind of get tired of all the back and forth. You know, the whole commentary about Blue Ivy and Northwest and uh, this yeah. and this and that and why isn't Blue Ivy's hair a certain way, <laughs> you know, what do you talk about this? Have you seen that this whole, you know, conversation and battle um, is harming our children, mm. and is it still another version of hair bullying? Mm. Wow, yeah, yes. And that's a that's a really interesting discussion because you can't really have the conversation about Blue Ivy without introducing Northwest. A lot of times people focus on Blue, but we forget that if they were in the same household, this is nothing different than a good hair sister and a bad hair sister, right? Which is something that replicates itself within our family structures on a regular basis. You can have two, three, four, five kids of all different shades, and that's in the African-American community and in the Afro-Latin American community. And the lighter skinned sister with the, the hair that's more aligned with white hair structure is going to get better treatment. She'll be preferred. She'll often um, get more compliments. She'll be told don't play in the sun because, you know, you don't want to get dark. And, and so this is looking at the two of them is really looking at how we treat black children. And, and it's no different than what we project onto North and what we project onto Blue Ivy is no different than aunties who come and look at the brand new baby and check their fingertips to see if the skin is going to turn black, right? Or check the earlobes to see how black the ear, the skin is actually going to be. So these two babies and Lord, they're babies, right? What a murder mm-hmm. yeah, to yeah. discuss like this in this way. But these two babies really represent that spectrum of, you know, black self-hatred. And, and not that they represent black self-hatred, but our, I guess our reaction to them and how we fawn over North and her loose tendril curls and we critique Blue Ivy for daring to step out of the house with an, an Afro that doesn't look like it was picked within an inch of its life. And that's really no different than what many of us are doing within our own homes. You know, you see I'm sure pictures on Facebook of the four-year-old with a perm or, you know, the, the newborn baby whose mom is worrying about how to straighten it already. And these really are messages that we communicate to our children that you, as you show up, are not enough. How you present, there is something wrong, whether we believe there's something wrong or we just believe that what society says about you is stronger than what we believe. Either way, we are going to present to you an, an area or, or an entree into this world that says you have to adjust and adapt because how you came here was insufficient. That is one of the most harmful messages we can send to our children because a child who does not know who they are, who hates who they are, can never compete with a child who is strong in their culture and who feels confident about the people that they come from. You can't compete. And so there's a reason that our kids are going to continue to lag behind, not because of the classroom necessarily, not because of the money you put into schools, but because they already started from the acceptance of the idea that white people represent intelligence and the people they come from don't. White people represent beauty and the people that they come from don't. You cannot possibly hope to demonstrate brilliance and beauty when you feel ugly and less than. You can't do it. So this this is something that really is a public display of a private conversations that are ongoing and really quite hurtful for our kids and for us. Wow. Definitely. Yes. Well, Laura, I want to ask you a question. Also, when we were um, planning for this show, we had a, a pre-call discussion and we were meeting with um, Sasha, who is mm-hmm. the founder of the DMV Natural Beauties Meetup Group. And, mm. I, you know, we were getting to know her and her experiences and she had made some uh, comment that was startling to all of us that, <laughs> like, when you're out in society, basically in population, that most of the the side looks and 
um, if any type of discrimination is shown, doesn't come from, I thought it would be from, like, the Caucasians, from my European mm-hmm. counterparts. She said it's actually from us, from yeah. men, from black mm-hmm. men and other black women. Has mm-hmm. that been your experience as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and again, we got to remember that white people don't come from a history where they're burdened by feeling less than, right? So they have, when you're exactly. when you're privileged, you have the luxury of singing songs about ice cream and sunshine. You have the luxury of commenting on the beauty of other people because you're not burdened with that. We uh. are carrying that burden in a way that, you know, the way white people respond to slavery and privilege is, is very empowering for them because it benefits them. It does not benefit us, and it's very disempowering for us. So, for example, when I was in corporate America working at law firms in Midtown Manhattan, that's wearing an Afro puff and twisty. That's the first time I read about the Hampton University situation. So just the way that I was wearing my hair compared to that happening in that moment was always very ironic for me, but it was always very symbolic because it was very similar to, you know, the black secretary at my law firm who would pull me to the side and say, now, baby, you know, I don't know what you're doing with this hair of yours, but, you know, you (laughs) you white folks ain't going, you know, now she didn't mean any harm, but through her experience as a black woman whose hair had been permed within an inch of her life for decades. She could Mm -hmm. not envision a route to success for me professionally if I did not conform. So she was doing it out of respect and out of love and out of sincere care, but it was misplaced care and uh, and misinformed care because from my perspective, if my hair is an issue, I cannot be in this space. And that was something that I had to be comfortable with. I know everyone's not there. I'm not saying that's the, the, you know, don't go graduating from college, y'all who are listening and then decide you ain't going to get a job because people didn't like your hair. What I'm saying is for me, that was a decision that I made and it worked for me but um, you know I do have the benefit of having light skin privilege so that's something that a lot of my darker complexion sisters don't have to deal with Um, but Mm -hmm. it is definitely something that we hold on to you know I have you know, white colleagues, white friends who are like, oh, my God, Larie, your hair is just so awesome. Like, it's like an afro day, it's twisty. And, you know, they are totally cool and just want to feel all up in it. Whereas a lot of my black, you know, family, sisters, friends are feeling very protective, just the same way, I guess, uh, you know, as an analogy, we were all very protective when President Barack Obama was running for office because everyone thought he was going to exactly. get killed. And, you know, so mm-hmm. that we have a history there that dictates that we can't be as free and as happy and embracing of, of this type of hairstyle because it's shown that that will lead to economic downfall for many of us. Right, right. Well, mm-hmm. I want to thank you so much for coming on yeah. the show, sharing all your knowledge. We're definitely going to have to have you back on, definitely. Thank How can you. our listeners and our followers um, – get in contact with you, follow you, um, and, and reach out to you? Um, I am at Afro. You can. My website is www.afrostateofmind.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, uh, at Afro State of Mind. I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash afrostateofmind, um, and YouTube as well. So those are the social media spaces I occupy. Uh, hit me at any of those places. I'd love to connect. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks. You guys have a great night. Thank you. You too. You too. Awesome information. Awesome information. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Um, Have you guys ever heard of the Miss Naturally Crowned Carolina pageant? Where our guests coming up after this break are going to tell us all about it. You're listening to Let's Face It on the Survival Radio Network. We'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in to the hottest station out, the Survival Radio Network. This award-winning network has over 900,000 downloads with 30 powerful shows hitting the airwaves Monday through Sunday. If you're looking for inspiration, motivation, and education, this network is for you. Check us out by visiting www.survivalradionetwork.us. Onward to one million. And remember... 
We do radio. Tired of applying for jobs only to get turned down because of the economy or lack of a degree? What if you can qualify to work for those same Fortune 500 companies without worrying about a degree and work them from the comfort of your home? With JP Employment Services, LLC, enjoy the benefits of making your own hours, enjoy more free time, and earn a great salary. For details, call 678-835-7371. That's 678-835-7371. Or go to www.jpemployment.com. Must be able to pass the background check and certifications. Call JP Employment today. What do women of color, business, and beauty patterns have in common? If you're not sure, our very special guest and co-founders of Miss Nationally Crowned Carolina, South Carolina's first natural hair beauty pageant, are here to share more information on that topic. Please welcome to the show Miss Maureen Ochola, co-founder, and the newly crowned Miss Naturally Crowned Carolina, Miss Trayshawn Howard. Hello, ladies, and thanks for joining us. Hello. Hi, how are you? Hi, this is Janae Kay. How are you all doing? We're good. We're good. Thank you so much for having us on the show. Wonderful. Thanks for joining us. Um, Maureen, could you tell our listeners why you all felt the need for a natural hair beauty pageant? So we actually started the journey um, last year. Uh, Jessica and I have been friends, you know, ever since childhood. And we both went natural, but we felt like there was, I guess, a missing void in natural hair care products or just where to find them. Um, For the most part, most people typically go to your typical Asian beauty supply stores. But when you Mm -hmm. go there, you're kind of faced with people who may not really understand your hair, and their whole purpose is to just basically, you know, make a sale. And Mm -hmm. so we wanted to um, open up a store that catered specifically to women with natural hair, and it was run by women who could tell you about your hair. Um, So in order to kind of promote that to the Columbia market, we came up with this idea of a pageant that specifically Mm -hmm. catered to women with natural hair, just, you know, for exposure um, to the Columbia market, but also to to let them know that this is kind of a need that needs to be met. So we had our first pageant last year where we had 10 contestants enter. The criteria was that you had to have your hair natural. Your hair had to be in the natural state. And mm-hmm. so um, the girls competed not only on, um, you know, how their hair looked, but also their how they felt about their natural hair, kind of promoting the beauty of natural hair. And so after – the ending of that pageant, we got such a positive response from it um, that we decided, hey, this is a little bit more than a fundraiser. This is kind of a major movement going on now, um, and we need to expand on it. So it started as a fundraiser, but now it's like more of a social impact in the Columbia community, and hopefully, you know, it's something we can expand nationally. Awesome. And this is Alicia. Uh, after I read your article in Black Enterprise about your pageant, could you tell us how you went from a $0 advertising budget to selling out a 220-seat venue and then catching the major, you know, the major sponsors and natural hair media? <laughs> that was all thanks to my business partner, Jessica, and I wish she would be able to call in today. But it's all social media, um, you know, what we wanted to do initially was to target a specific group of people. Um, usually the girls' age ranges 19 to, you know, maybe early, mid-30s because these are the people that, you know, we felt, I guess, could benefit the most um, from understanding the beauty of natural hair. So that mm-hmm. started with, um, we started off Instagram. And what we did was we went throughout the Columbia community and we highlighted women around that age range, their hair naturally. 
just to kind of make it, I guess, quote, unquote, cool, for lack of a better term. So once we started around that path, it blew up, like, literally within, I think we gained over 2,000 followers, you know, all within a couple of months. And then we expanded on to Facebook. We started, um, I think it's just the power of networking, too, with, um, you know, networking and social media. And, yeah, just, I guess, more so things... I'm trying to think of what else. This is more of her, you know, area of focus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um yeah, I think it was I think people going to a page and seeing people that look like them or even mm-hmm. seeing themselves on there, I mean that thing just spread like fire. And then wow. you know, as that began to grow, we began to see, you know, get con- connections and contacts. I think as of recently we got contacted by a lady in Paris who actually runs a beauty pageant there herself. So, wow. I mean, social media alone can take you really, really far. Well, apparently so. <laughs> yeah. And I did have one last question for you, too. One quick question, I should say. How did you come up with the design of the actual crown? Okay. So we actually have a different crown every year. Um, oh. That was one of our differentiating factors. So we didn't want to go the traditional pageant route of just, you know, it's a year of crown. So every year, Jessica and I kind of sit around and go through. I think Etsy.com has some amazing, amazing designs. But we wanted something to not, you know, we wanted it to not be normal. You know, because mm-hmm. that, that's the whole purpose of our pageant is because you don't have to be conformed to what society is telling you. So we wanted the crown to stand out on its own as well. So last year's crown design is actually completely different from this year's crown design. I don't know if you all have been able to see some of the um, pictures we posted, but Treshawn, our winner this year, her crown was more of like a globe, whereas last year was like a big mane. Who knows what the next year's is going to be. But, yeah, okay. that was one of our standing out factors to make sure the crown wasn't that, you know, your typical normal crown. All right. Okay. All right, um, this is Tasha. Um, I have a question for Treshawn. Hi. Hi, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very good. A, I'm good, I'm good. Um, so my question is to you is, um, being that now that you're a newly reigning crown holder, um, how does it, I mean, how what did the competition mean to you And as far as, um, and so, well, I'm also under the impression that you won a, a, a cash prize, and what are your plans or what are you going to do with that? Well, this competition was really, really amazing for me. Um, this It was more about, like, embracing who you are, and it gave me an opportunity to really just build on my confidence. Um, I was kind of going through a little phase where, you know, I'm, I'm really young. I'm 22 years old. And so, you know, I graduated from college about a year ago. I'm getting into the professional world and everything like that. So I was really, my confidence was up and down, up and down. And so this competition really gave me the opportunity to meet other young women in Columbia that are um, natural, that are doing something with themselves. All businesswomen are trying to be businesswomen. And it really gave me an opportunity to network with them meet them, and we all were building each other up. We were all were building each other up. Um, and mm-hmm. also with, by winning this um, competition, during the competition, we actually had to present um, business pitches. So it gave me the opportunity to do something that I've been wanting to do and put in work for a long time. It made me, you know, think of my p- plan, think of my um, business, what I want to do, how I want to make it go. I actually had to just not think about what I want to do, but put some actions in plan. And so with winning this competition, the money, it actually gives me the opportunity to network with some other people and get a business um, off the ground. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Sounds good. Yes. <laughs> it was wow. Good. So what I want to know is, Maureen, how can people who perhaps want to get more information about um, the pageant, who perhaps want to compete next year, how can they get more information about this pageant and what, you, what you're doing? Sure. So a bulk of our information is actually on our website, which is naturallycrown.com. Um, but we're also very, very active on social media. Our Instagram is at naturallycrownedcarolina. And uh, we also follow up with our main, I guess, our boutique idea, 
and that Instagram is at QuenchSC. You can also find us on Facebook at Naturally Crown Carolina or QuenchSC again, or just shoot us an email, um, info at naturallycrown.com. But I think a bulk of our information should be found on our website. Awesome, awesome. I want to thank both of you ladies for for calling in, and best of luck on your reign um, this year. And we'll definitely um, be following you for next year. Thank you so much for calling in. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good evening. Well, everybody, you know that the the music that you've been listening to um, throughout the break was from a very talented woman, very talented musical artist, Zaina Marisho, I hope I said that right. Um, And our very own Donnell Lattimore, entertainment guru, is here with us. Welcome back, Donnell. How are you doing? How are you? Donnell? Yes. Yeah, how you doing? So you you're here you're gonna do a interview with the young lady who's been singing this song, um Rock the Natural. I like that beat. Yeah. I like that beat. Um <laughs> Dana Mauricio. So the show's yours. Take it, man. Awesome. All right guys. Like you said, I'm Donna Lottimore and I'm hanging out with the fabulous multi talented. She's also an active model, dancer, and a recording artist, Miss Dana Mauricio. You there, Dana? Hello? Hello? Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Oh, hi. Hi, Zaina, how are you? I'm doing fine. That is great. So I hear you're based out of L.A. and you're originally from the Congo, and you yes. speak six languages. Yes. <laughs> All right, a little birdie told me, and j'ai entendu que tu parles français, c'est vrai? Oui, je parle français, je suis congolais. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so who exactly is Dana Mauricio and how did you get started in the music industry? Um. Okay, so I was raised in church, of course, Congolese, African, um, start singing in church, like, you know, uh, like when you, you go to Sunday schools and sing in church, and then I became in a choir, grew up singing in choir. I thought I was going to be, you know, a Christian gospel singer. And too, when I turned 21, 2012, mm-hmm. and I was like, because, you know, you know, as an African young woman, you can't just do music because uh, your culture doesn't allow you to do music. So, oh. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they, they're expecting you to be a wife and, 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 you know, go to school and everything else. So I had to go and do all those stuff. I had to go to school, finish my bachelor degree first, and then move to the music. So I started doing my music in 2012, and here I am in L.A. <laughs> Raising right, Texas. So, okay, okay. So what does the single Rock the Natural mean to you, and what inspires you to write it? I, I, you know, I. That's a good question. I was, um, okay. So I'm the queen of weaves and fake hair. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm telling you, I did it all. Okay, I went to Guangzhou buying some hair. I even tried to sell. I was like, because I like to, you know, having my own, my own business and stuff. But I realized, out of all those stuff, you will never know your natural beauty until you you give yourself some time. I used to hate my hair. I used to hate how I look. And I will always feel like if I don't have the lipstick on, if I don't have makeup on, if I don't have weave on like Brazilian, you know, then mm-hmm. I'm not really beautiful. And then some days I just, you know, my sister telling me because I was getting tired, you know how you wear weaves and everything else, your skin hurts. But you, you, it's just like irritating. And my sister told me, what do you buy? Why about you cut your hair? It took me a few months. I started to love myself so bad. Like, I see myself more beauty, beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I used to talk to this guy that just is from Kenya. He's like, you know what? You don't need to put anything. You are so natural beauty. You have it. But I realized, like, cutting my hair, it made me more confident. It made me a strong artist and know what I want and who I am. So I do feel like your hair can be really you. Because if you start, if you start cutting your hair first or leaving your hair you know, just rocking your own hair, rocking your own beauty, you get to mm-hmm. know yourself. 
better than hiding because all you hide, you're just hiding away from yourself. You're not hiding from anybody. So Great. That's how well, I started. I just love it. Go okay. Ahead. Well, I, I've listened to it, and I, and I see Jasmine and Tessa some awesome songs. So without any further ado, we're going to go ahead and play her song, Rock the Natural, and this is by Zana Marisha. And that was Rock That Natural by Tina Mauricio. Merci très beaucoup. Thank you so much for being here. Um, before we just jump into the first time, of course, of course. Um, let our listeners out there know how they can um hear more of your music and get in touch with you. Sorry, oh, okay. Uh you can reach me actually on zainanow.com. Facebook, yeah, Instagram. Oh, uh, yeah, it's all there. Because, <laughs> you know, it's like Diana Mauricio, and then I have to spell it, and it's so hard to pronounce it. By the way, you did a good job. <laughs> oh, merci beaucoup. So, <laughs> there you are. So you just go to com, and you can get everything. Like, there's my social network, everything on my website. Make it easier. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Really, really enjoyed your music and definitely hope to hear great things from you in the future. Thank and you. And I course, really, really enjoyed this. 
I really enjoyed the show. It was great. The fact that I heard, I was listening to everything, like the empowerment for the women, for the hair, and this is great. It's good. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime. Glad you enjoyed it. And we'll turn it back over to Will. Thank you so uh, much. Wonderful job, Daniel. Thank you, um, everyone. Thank you, especially to our special guest, Miss Tasha Steepney. Thank you for coming on the yeah. news, Tasha. Thank you for having me. Fun. You are so welcome. <laughs> you are so welcome. Well, everybody, we did it. Um, another show. Tune in next week. Next week we're having this hot topic, so it's just going to be us. Are y'all ready for it? Last time Ooh, we did, you know, it was off the hook. It was off the hook. Oh, we're going to have Nate back on the show next week. Um, so no telling what's going to happen, but we're going to talk about everything, anything that's in, um, that's in the news. And, yeah, it's going to be hot. It's going to be hot. It's going to be real hot. So make sure you tune in next Sunday, 830, same place, same time. And make sure you call in because we're going to be asking questions. We want to hear from you at home. Make sure you call in next week. Um, so we're your hosts. I'm Will Strayhorn. I'm Janae Kay. I'm Donna Lattimore. And Alicia Brown. Awesome. Let's face it. In life, we can be faced with many challenges. But the most important choice that you will ever make is when you make the choice to be bold, be beautiful. Always make the choice to be you. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and friends on the Survival Radio Network. Please be sure to visit us on the web often at letsfaceitradio.com for the latest in show information, including upcoming shows, special guests, spotlight interviews, as well as exciting, innovative ways that you can be part of the show. So tune in next week for real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it.